G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Are robots about to take our jobs? And if they are, how do we approach this type of change as a Christian believer? Well, economists describe our current moment by distinguishing between economic growth and an economic pivot. Growth increases goods and services, but a pivot is a fundamental shift in how those goods and services are produced and delivered. So when you think of movies, we once went to a video store to rent a video. Now movies arrive digitally with the click of a button. No retail workers needed. There's research that suggests that the labour market is in the middle of an economic pivot. Some are calling it the fourth industrial revolution. One of the studies suggests that almost half of all jobs now could be automated in the next 10 years. That research that comes from organisations like Citigroup and Oxford University. Well, Let's get some insights today and I want to invite you to join in our conversation. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Good to be able to welcome back Alex Cook who is the founder of Wealth With Purpose, a financial planning expert and entrepreneur. Alex Cook, welcome back to 2020. Hey Neil, great to be back with you. Thanks for having me. Alex, uh, you've been transitioning yourself a little of recent <laughs> times. Uh, just give us a quick update on uh, on your latest movements because for the past five years you've been having a home base in Argentina and there's some big changes for you. Yes, that's right. Well, I'm from Australia originally, from uh, Sydney, born and bred, uh, but have been uh, living in uh, Buenos Aires, uh, a very, very large city in South America, about 12 million people uh, with my wife and, and children. Uh, my wife is from there originally, so uh, in 2012 we thought we'll go have an adventure, and it certainly was that in many, many ways. And uh, yeah, we've now made the decision to come back and uh, base ourselves in Australia for a, a couple of years at least. My wife is still keen on Argentina, but uh, our ministry is such, and t- it's really starting to take off now that we really need to be in Australia. So here we are. Here we are, and of course business has been extending into different nations around the world, uh, North America and as you were in South America, but other nations in Southeast Asia too. Uh, how are the wealth with purpose, uh, I'm reluctant to call it tentacles, but uh, you know, you're reaching into a lot of different uh, nations. What sort, of, uh, what sort of response have you been getting with the growth? Yeah, look, it's really positive. So, um, as you say, we're a little bit in Asia, so we're in the Philippines. We've got uh, our model has changed. We've now got coaches around the world. Uh, we've got one in the Philippines. Uh, we've got nine here in Australia. Uh, we're on a very large platform in the US called Right Now Media, which uh, gives us our courses, our our stewardship courses, exposure to 1.8 million Americans, uh, and I think it's 1,800 churches, or no. 15,000 churches, some staggering figure over there. Uh, And South America, I was just in Chile last week training church leaders, which was a lot of fun, and uh, having people translate uh, 
by content as I was speaking, which was a, a new experience. So, uh, yeah, a lot of fun. Well, it's our privilege today to be able to talk to you about some of these issues because sometimes when we think, oh, a Christian financial planner, well, he's just going to talk about tithing. Uh, Well, (laughs) what we're talking about here is uh, preparing for the major changes that we're likely to see over the next decade. It's how, as a Christian believer, you apply biblical wisdom to Uh, the way that you prepare for what are uncertain times. Are you finding, Alex, that wherever you're speaking around the world, uh, people are concerned about the uncertain times ahead? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's, and of course, it's not just all this uh, robotics and automation, but it's just the the global economy, uh, you know, all these things that we're seeing on the evening news now. A lot of people are certainly, I think, concerned uh, the direction where the world is, is going and where we're at currently. Um, so in that sense, people are certainly, I think I'd almost call it an awakening. People are realising that the world uh, that they grew up in is, is changing very, very rapidly. And, and that, of course, causes a lot of anxiety. But I would also like to suggest it's also a fantastic opportunity, especially especially for, for Christians and, and for the, the spread of the gospel with all these changes. It's, uh, if, if we look at it from a, in a positive light, I think we can really take advantage of the changes that are going on around us, of which of which there are many. Well, we certainly want to unpack more of how we adjust, uh, what sort of attitudes we ought to have with changes that are on their way. But let me come to the McKinsey Global Institute. Uh, their research found that nearly half of all jobs could be replaced by technology that already exists. Mm. Uh, your thoughts on the sorts of things that are coming out of uh, these uh, these research departments in universities and institutions so how serious is it that things are changing this fast? Well, it's very serious. And in one sense, even though it's, it's research and trying to look at the future, it's in many ways it's already here. It's already happening. I mean, you go into your local McDonald's store now and you see, uh, okay, there's still the people working behind the counter, but now you can order from a computer screen. They've got those new uh, self-serve type terminals. And so that, of course, uh, takes away some some jobs in the in the retail space, uh, and that's really just the the tip of the iceberg. If you look at um, in, in the US now, we have driverless trucks. So uh, there are trucks being tested where they are literally driving 100 kilometres an hour in uh, in the desert in Nevada, uh, and they're driving from point A to point B. Uh, with, with literally no one at the wheel. And just to, just to pause and reflect on that for a moment, because there are people listening to us today in mining communities mm. and where there are very large uh, pieces of equipment that are uh, contributing to the mining industry. And, and what you're describing is something that's coming that will even upset those driving jobs in the mining industry. Yeah, and, that, and, and actually in the mining industry already, there are driverless trucks already that can operate 24-7. Uh, and drive around the mine and, and uh, don't require people at all. So it's uh, that technology, most of it's done remotely. So, you know, you could have a guy sitting in an office with a remote control um, who is driving a truck out on the mine. So it's, yeah, all of this uh, already exists. That's that's the, the fascinating thing about it. Uh, you mentioned the, uh, the automatic kiosks, uh, things like... 3D printers, that technology is replacing a lot of different areas of manufacturing. Absolutely. Uh, look, the, the list is, is almost endless. The one that surprised me 
uh, a couple of years ago was robo-journalism. I, it, had never, it had never occurred to me before until about two or three years ago when I found out there's this software that what it does is when a company, let's say, let's use an Australian example, when BHP makes an announcement, this software reads the announcement from the company and then turns it into a, a newspaper article, so it actually converts it into a, you know, something that people would want to read, and then it places it straight onto the media outlet's website. So you don't actually need a journalist anymore uh, to interpret these things. Software can write it. And this software is writing uh, hundreds of millions of articles each year. It's just it's staggering. And of course, uh, the, uh, the ramifications uh, in uh, medicine uh, for doctor consultations, uh, for uh, all sorts of ways that people will learn over the internet, uh, maybe uh, displacing teachers even. Uh, lots of different ways that no matter what sort of industry you're in, as you say, uh, there's going to be change. Uh, what, what people are concerned about, of course, is, uh, is it my job that's going to go completely? Maybe I've got to adjust and adapt uh, to some of these things, but... Uh, but what do you say to people who are feeling concerned about the changes that are coming? Yeah, well, my view is, is don't be concerned. Firstly, people do need to be realistic. These changes are coming. So there's, it, to me, it's like an unstoppable train. These changes are going to happen uh, whether we like it or not. So in that sense, it's, it's the reality. However, I do think people shouldn't be fearful about it, um, but they should be practical about it. They should be aware of how they can adjust these things so it might be a case of um, reskilling so and some employers will, will help with that but there'll be many new jobs and new industries and so forth but I do think people need to be aware that it is happening and and don't assume that the job that you're in today will be the same job you're in in uh, in 10 years time uh, you know Corporates these days are not as loyal to their staff as they once were, but realistically, they're always looking for ways to uh, to you know improve their bottom line and also to to embrace the technologies. and And we, as as both as Christians, but I think people in general, need to say, where is this? Uh, uh, you know, what are the opportunities for me in this? How, what should I be doing in order to prepare for it? Uh, and I think you can prepare in different ways. I think there's a spiritual preparation, there's a, a financial preparation, and then there's just the practical preparation of, um, you know, reskilling and, and doing certain things like that uh, to to make sure that you're employable. Alex, there's a sort of image, isn't there, of the Christian church. Whenever you see it in mainstream media, there's always, uh, you know, a priest with a collar on and wearing black robes and whatever, and there's a sort of image of Christianity. Uh, the reality, of course, is that Christians tend to be uh, very entrepreneurial, very adaptive, and able to adjust themselves when there are changes. How do you think uh, Christians... Uh, in the in the reality of of what is coming, uh, would be prayerful, uh, would be uh, strategic, uh, would be able to to make those sorts of adaptations perhaps better than most people would assume. Absolutely. Look, so there's a couple couple of things there. The first thing uh, that you, you tapped on there, which I think is uh, you know Christian entrepreneurship, I think is a fantastic opportunity. You know, one of the things I love about God is that He's a, he, not only is He the Creator, but He's creative. And I believe uh, certainly very strongly as a, as a Christian entrepreneur that we can do business supernaturally. So what do I mean by that? I mean, well, 
by, by seeking God and having that intimate relationship with him, we can ask him for ideas and ways of doing things, you know, new ways of doing business, new ways of, of uh, harnessing uh, people's talents and people's creativity. You know, I believe uh, very strongly that God uh, has a calling for each of us that applies whether you're in business or whether you're in education or whatever your field is. We have a, have a calling. Um, and God can give us creative and new ways of doing things um, and, and to do business supernaturally. So that's, that's the first thing. So I think for Christian entrepreneurs, it's, a, it's a, a brilliant opportunity. But then there's the church itself. So the church's mission of, of um, you know, seeking and saving the lost and fulfilling the Great Commission is a fantastic opportunity through this because... With all this dislocation that is occurring and will continue to occur, I think, over the next 10, 20 years, um, it's an opportunity to, to really help people understand who they are and to get their identity back and to find out what's truly important in life because people uh, will find, you know, they lose their job and many people get their identity through what they do. It's who they are. I'm a doctor, I'm a plumber, I'm a this, I'm a that. And that, unfortunately, is very dangerous because... Uh, our true identity should be in the fact that we are precious children loved by a, a creative God. And, and that, when you have that, that's a, a huge opportunity for the church to reach out to people who are hurting in this period of transfer, you know, transition and dislocation and to, to reach out to them and to help them find their self-worth in things that are eternal, not in, in, in things that are short-term like our careers and so forth. So there is potentially here pain for a lot of people. But what you're saying is when you rely on Jesus' words, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, in other words, find your identity in him rather than in seeking after all of these things, perhaps in materialism that you think might make you happy or make you secure, real security comes with a, a identity in Christ. Uh, and that will help you get through some of the painful times. Absolutely. I mean, you, you quoted there, I love that passage in Matthew 6 where it says, seek first his kingdom. So the, the role of you know us as Christians is to put God first in our life. You know, we're not to be caught up uh, and concern ourselves with the cares and pursuits of this world. We're meant to reach out to the world and help the world and, and you know help those in need and so forth, but we're not to be uh, caught up in the pursuits of the world, if you like. And therefore, I think there's this um, fantastic opportunity for us as believers uh, to reach out to people during this time. And uh, it, it's a gospel opportunity. It's, 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 it's not a negative. But I think I don't want to downplay the, the reality. And the reality is there will be dislocation. These things are happening extremely quickly. Uh, and, you know, people may find themselves out of work. But there's all sorts of things they can do to prepare for that. Um, financially, for example... So if I was to give the example, when you go and meet a financial planner for the first time, one of the, the first things they will tell you when they're writing a financial plan for you is that you should have an emergency fund. And uh, I say to people, that should be six months' worth of living expenses. And most people go, oh, wow, that's a huge amount of money, six months' worth of living expenses. Uh, but the reality is when you have this kind of dislocation, it can take time to, to reskill, uh, to, to find a new job, uh, just by way of example, when the US had the global financial crisis, it took 36 weeks to find a new job, so more than half a year. So even six months' worth of living expenses wasn't necessarily enough. So uh, you can prepare financially for these things, but also prepare in all sorts of ways. Uh, 
to take advantage of it, not to see it as a negative, but to actually take advantage of it. Alex, when the crunch comes, the expectation that God is on your side, now that's something we'd see as a foundation in our Christian faith, uh, that, you know, God is for us, who can be against us? Mm. If the crunch comes and you lose your job, uh, the anticipation would need to be that God is on my side and therefore he is directing the paths of my life. The idea that somehow or other as a Christian believer you go to church and you adhere to some beliefs that the church tells you to believe, it's more than that, isn't it? Because we aren't going to be those people who are uh, are a people who, uh, who just believe something for the sake of believing some knowledge, mm. uh, but the reality of God at work in our lives is taking us to new levels and he is... Uh, caring for us. He is looking after us. He's the one who's directing our paths. There is a sense here in which this whole spirituality of, of not just being the person who is, who is, uh, who knows something, but actually is doing something that God is actually a part of. Absolutely. And look, what you're saying is very powerful. It will, it'll be a real faith test for many people. You know, it's, uh, it's one thing to believe believe that God exists. Another thing to actually believe what he says in his word. So a lot of people, you know, they may have even been in church for quite a long time, uh, they've read God's word, but it'll be a time to actually, uh, if you know, that classic saying of when the rubber hits the road, um, it will be a real faith test for many people. But the way I'd really encourage people to think about this, um, what I love about the Christian faith and what differentiates it, I think, is the fact that we have a personal God. And in tough times, what I see, because I, I see this all the time, obviously when I'm helping uh, Christians with their personal finances, um, is it's easy to stop trusting in God um, and to try and trust in yourself. So trust in uh, your ability to get a job, trust in your skills, your bank account and all those sort of things. Um, but those things are all very uh, temporary and they're in, in very insecure. The most powerful thing, as I say in the Christian faith, is that we have a personal God. A God that wants us to know him intimately and walk closely with him. So I think in these periods of time, God wants to draw us nearer to him so that we, rather than run away and try and find another solution and get another job and all these sort of things, he actually wants to draw us closer to him and have that truly intimate relationship with him um, where, we are, where it's deeply personal so that you... Your, your faith becomes unshakable. So that's the direction God wants to draw you in rather than to the point where we, we sort of collapse in fear and run the other way where we're trying to do stuff all the time to try and solve the problem. Uh, it's not to negate personal responsibility, you know, look for a job, do the various things, reskill. It's not to negate that. But it's merely to say that having that intimate relationship with a personal God is what will get you through and what God will uh, be trying to do in your life to draw you closer to Him. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Alex Cook is our guest. He's founder of Wealth With Purpose, a financial planning expert and uh, describes himself as a serial entrepreneur as well. Alex, uh, let's talk about people who uh, work an ordinary desk job. Most people who work a desk job these days are sitting in front of a computer. 
and uh, people with computers, uh, they are at risk of having their jobs outsourced to someone else around the world or to other robo-technology. What are your thoughts about people who use a computer at work? Yes, so this has been one of the big changes over the last 20 years. If if we go back just a little bit of history, in the late 90s, big companies like Microsoft and, and the banks you know, started opening up call centres out of their home countries. So, and it's very true today that when you call a bank or, or any of these big IT companies, you're often calling the Philippines or India. You're not actually calling your home country, even though you may be calling an Australian phone number. So that was the in- initial trend. And that was really before the internet days when, uh, you know, you could just outsource the phone calls and have these call centres overseas. But what's changed now, thanks to the internet, is essentially... Any job that sits in front of a computer can now be outsourced overseas. So you can have your graphic design done, your bookkeeping done. Um, Pretty much anything that's in front of a computer can now be outsourced. Um, I'm doing uh, some business coaching at the moment for a a drafting business, and we're talking about hiring draftspeople offshore. Um, So it's, it's a trend what we call global sourcing. So rather than just hiring people in your local market, you can now source the best talent from anywhere in the world. So it's a, it's a remarkable change. Um, and just, just an interesting story is that three, three or four years ago, I went on a tour called Mike's Manila Tours, and we went on this tour around uh, two cities in the Philippines, and they showed us all the outsourcing that was going on. And uh, sitting beside me, a fellow Australian, he was uh, a lawyer who was running a law firm. He had uh, 600 staff here in Australia, his view is he could outsource 300 of the 600 jobs. So you can just imagine the impact that that would have on his business and on the staff in terms of people's, people losing their jobs and so forth. So it's a massive trend. And we're just a couple of minutes out from news, but while we're talking a lot of negative things here, are there some positives we can look to? Absolutely. So... With this global sourcing, you can now, say you are a graphic designer, you can do work for people all across the world. So there's a website, let me give you an example, one called upwork.com, and you can go on there and, and put yourself on as a, as a person of a particular skill, let's say you're a graphic designer, and people anywhere in the world can actually bid for your, uh, bid for your skills. And you can put on yourself on there, set an hourly rate that you want to charge, uh, put up your portfolio and all those sorts of things. So you can now have customers all across the world. So don't think so much as a chance of uh, you only have to go looking for customers in your home market. You can now go looking for customers anywhere in the world. So it can actually expand your business in a a very dramatic way. Um, And also from a business owner's point of view, you can now source talent and skill from around the world. So you've got a broader range of skills to tap into. So it's actually an opportunity. Um, Yes, it may mean... uh, short-term dislocation, but I think things like that particularly mean you can have customers anywhere in the world. I think it's a good thing. Alex, some people are naturally pessimistic, others are naturally optimistic. Is there a Christian way to think about uh, the changes, uh, whether they be good or bad? Yeah, sure. So, well, I mean, the the Bible tells us, um, you know, not to worry. You know, it says, you know, I love Matthew 6, where it says, you know, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. You know, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, 
and yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Great stuff, Alex. We're going to continue the conversation after news. Alex Cook, founder of Wealth With Purpose. Uh, Some more optimism ahead here on 2020. Our special guest is Alex Cook. He's founder of Wealth With Purpose, a financial planning expert and entrepreneur. We're talking through these issues today. Uh, Alex, we were talking about some level of optimism just before the news. Yes. But things are getting different, uh, changing. Uh, How do you think things will look uh, in 10 years from now? Uh, Should we be thinking uh, that the changes are all going to be bad? How do you describe the the way things might look in 10 years? Yeah, look, I mean, look, certainly they'll look different. I don't think there's any question of that. And certainly, you know, many jobs will disappear. But by the same token, people need to remember that human beings are relational creatures. We... um, uh, that's the way we've been designed. That's you know, God Himself is a, a relational God, and so therefore, I think all that will happen really is that we will congregate in in the workplace in different ways, doing different jobs, different things. Uh, it could be you know a real blessing in the sense that many jobs that were traditionally either very physical uh, or, or menial can can be done away with, and, and people can focus on high level work potentially. Um, but I believe, uh, certainly from a Christian perspective, that God gives each of us a unique calling and a unique set of gifts. So all I think will really happen is that we'll be uh, in different situations using those calling, uh, callings and gifts in different ways. That's all that will really happen. There are many uh, uniqueness things about uh, a human being that can't possibly uh, be outsourced or... Um, because they're unique to human beings, such as our ability to care for people. You know, a robot might be able to do certain aspects of caring, but it will never care in the nurturing sense. Uh, Exercising of judgment, um, morality, all those things are deeply human and being compassionate and committed and all those sort of things. You know, because they're born out of our human spirit uh, and they can't be programmed into a computer. So I think it'll look different, but I don't think... Uh, it's a negative. I think it'll be uh, exciting in many ways. Uh, Well, just before the news, we were talking about not only the idea of robots taking jobs, but the idea of outsourcing. Uh, In other words, people overseas taking the sorts of jobs that we would ordinarily have as Australians and uh, doing it at a lower price. And uh, there is a certain sense in which there's an ethical question that is raised here about uh, whether you, as an Aussie, uh, do outsource to uh, other developing countries uh, and and what that means for people on the ground in those developing countries working on low wages uh, and how we actually uh, come to grips with the the ethical understanding of whether we should be doing that or not. What are your thoughts on, on the ethical dilemma of outsourcing? Yeah, look, I think it's a fantastic question and, and one Christians really need to, to think through. Um, from what I've observed, having gone over to these third world countries and seen what's actually happening on the ground, uh, we are blessing them in a big way. They are becoming prosperous countries. Uh, the Philippines, I actually happened to live there when I was a kid, when I was uh, 7 to 10 years of age, and it has totally transformed. Yes, there is still a lot of poverty in the Philippines, uh, but in many ways, the country has completely transformed. Uh, many millions of people have been lifted up out of poverty. So outsourcing to these countries 
is blessing them. There's absolutely no question of that. Um, some people will say, oh, but aren't we losing jobs here in Australia? And, and I think there is a sense in which that is absolutely true. Jobs will disappear here and some will appear overseas. That's partly a, that's a cost-saving issue, but it's also a, a competitive pressure. I think uh, businesses that don't adapt to this and don't adapt to the, the fact that the world is now flatter, you know, we've got this sort of flat system where you can get talent anywhere in the world. Um, if you don't adapt to it, you run the risk of your business having a much higher cost structure and you actually going broke. Um, that's, that, that's, I think, an economic reality that businesses face. So you do need to, uh, to, to join in the trend and look at ways... I mean, if, if you think about a business, one of the few ways it can increase its profit is by reducing its cost. So every business person you talk to, whether they're in Australia or, or anywhere in the world, is always looking at ways they can reduce their costs. Um, but how do you deal with it ethically? So in other words, how do you make sure that if you are hiring someone in the third world that you're paying them properly? Clearly, uh, wages in those countries are lower. Um, but what I saw, particularly in the Philippines, uh, if someone was getting paid $1,000 a month, which to Australians would be, you know, a low income, uh, someone living in the Philippines on $1,000 a month is living very well um, and living very comfortably, is able to provide for their needs of their family, which I think is the big ethical issue. Are you paying someone a sufficient wage in their own country that they can raise and support their own family? To me, that is the, the critical thing. If you're underpaying them relative to their country and therefore they're not able to, to meet the needs of their family, roof over their head, uh, food on the table and ability to sort of get ahead, then I think then you're not being ethical, so to speak. Stewardship-wise, uh, for the business owner, what you're saying is uh, there may be some ethical issues that may be front of mind, but in essence... Uh, when the whole world is reducing costs in order to stay in business, there are some hard decisions that need to be made. Uh, so uh, so for business owners thinking, should I head that way or uh, I'm heading that way, is it the right thing that I should be doing? Uh, what are your thoughts for, for people who are in business and actually looking at their business and how they stay afloat? Yeah, so look, the first thing is, and as I say, I believe this trend is inevitable. The world has changed. Um, before... Not only can you hop on a plane now and fly anywhere in the world in 24 hours, uh, which, you know, 50 years ago was not easy to do and 100 years ago was impossible, um, not only have you got that kind of big change, but just the internet itself has meant uh, that you can literally outsource and say anything that sits in front of a computer. So this trend is already in place. It's already firmly there. So it's, business always must adapt to the environment that it's in. And so from a Christian uh, business owner's perspective, to me, I think that, uh, if you've got staff in your uh, current office where, they're, where those jobs could be outsourced, I wouldn't go immediately firing them. What I would do is if they leave, then you, you maybe perhaps you don't re replace them. Or alternatively, if they're really great employees and you don't want to lose them, maybe you reskill them and try and put them into a new market, a new opportunity. So it's, it's having a bigger picture perspective and looking at it as an opportunity rather than just a cost saving. One of the reasons why I love all this global sourcing is you can now get great talent from all around the world. So it's, it's, it's a positive thing, it's not a negative thing. And it's a growth strategy as well as a cost saving. So I think it's a big mistake as a business owner, and I see this all the time with small business. I say to them, okay, if you want to outsource something overseas, 
what can we outsource that will help you grow your business rather than just cut costs? Because cutting costs is a sort of a it's, it's a sort of a negative mindset in itself. Okay, you need to do it, but it's also negative in the sense you're not thinking expansion-wise. You're thinking cost saving. So to, to me, all this outsourcing gives you a fantastic opportunity to grow your business, find new people new people who can do different skills, marketing, all these things that maybe you don't necessarily have the skills or the financial resources for to do it in Australia. Well, I'm excited about the idea of if you are an employer and you're faced with these sorts of ethical challenges, the idea to grow your business rather than cut costs is a way that you can keep your current staff because in your professional development program, uh, you could be encouraging your current staff to be reskilling, retraining, so that they actually have uh, higher positions of responsibility within the business as it continues to change. Is that a, an ethical way of looking at if you're a business owner and you are a Christian Absolutely. and you're wondering about the ethics? Absolutely. And, and you can train them. The, the business can pay for it, train them and upskill them uh, to take advantage of, of all these changes. And uh, businesses that do that will have far greater loyalty far greater, um, uh, you know, human resources in, in their business because people uh, will want to be in a business like that that is both innovative but also looks after its people. Um, you know, as I say, human beings are relational and they'll naturally be drawn to people who, who look after them, do the right thing and, and look for opportunities. Uh, let's take a call. Tom is in Logan in Queensland. Hello, Tom. Welcome along to 2020. Hi. Um, I was just wondering... If- what your views are on uh, casual work. Apparently, a lot of businesses, and I've been affected by it myself, um, are going from full-time to casual work. Okay, a casualisation of the workforce. Uh, we often will hear that in the headlines. What are your thoughts, Alex Cook? Yeah, look, I mean, it's problematic because many people are finding they have to have multiple casual jobs in order to get... Uh, sufficient hours, therefore, to get sufficient income to, to meet their needs. I think that's that's very problematic um, from a societal point of view, and that's all part of the transition. So anyone who, I think, finds themselves in that situation, there's obviously the practical reality of needing to find potentially a number of casual jobs, and I'm not saying that's easy because, you know, the, the timing of each of those jobs may clash and things like that. But then to, to, to ask yourself... Where are the potential opportunities here for using my, either my current skills or what things interest me, where I, the direction I want to go in, into finding jobs that are either more reliable or potentially, I, I'd love to see an unleashing of Christian entrepreneurs. In other words, more people stepping out and starting new and innovative things. Um, so if you are in that situation, maybe you set something up on the side as your own business as well as keeping your casual work to make sure you keep the income in. Um, I don't think it's an easy one because it is certainly a big trend. I know people in even in very highly paid jobs where the workforce has become very casualised. It it's problematic. Tom from Logan, thanks so much for your question today on 2020. one 316 316 if you'd like to join our conversation, draws into perspective. Uh, and an interesting thing when I talk to people about business uh, and Christian attitudes to small business, because Christian business owners are cut from a different cloth. They are being shaped in a different way. And one of those virtues that Christian business owners have, Alex Cook, is the idea that they are caring for their staff 
in a way that non-Christian business owners might not. But let me ask you about the other side of the scenario. You're a Christian, you're an employee, you're working for a non-Christian business owner who is only concerned about costs and not about your welfare. What ought you be doing uh, to face the future, knowing that perhaps your job may well come to an end sometime soon? Yeah. So why don't we address the financial parts first, because I think there's, there's three components. To me, there's a spiritual part, the financial part, and then just practical issues. Financially, because obviously that's my background, particularly having been a financial planner, the first thing is to build up as much reserves as you can for the day when maybe you become self-employed. But it's not even, uh, sorry, not so much self-employed, but if you become unemployed. Uh, but the other issue there is you should always have cash reserves anyway because, you know, people get sick, things happen to us and so forth. So building up uh, an emergency fund of cash reserves is the first step. It's, it's laying a solid foundation. It's not a fearful thing to do. It's a very sensible thing to do. In fact, there's a great passage in Proverbs 22 that I love quoting, you know, and I do it in almost every presentation I give. It says, A sensible man watches for problems ahead and prepares to meet them. The simpleton never looks and suffers the consequences. That's a very wise passage from Proverbs. Um, It is wise. Sorry, you were going to say? I was going to say, the second thing is we live in a very debt-saturated society. Um, People have their car debt, they have their home loan debt, their credit card debt. I, I think the Bible makes it very clear that not whilst debt is not sinful, it's something that we should be trying to avoid we should be trying to get out of it as quick as we can and really try and take a very uh, a wise view towards debt which to me is get out of it as quick as you can have a proper plan to get out of it and try and avoid it don't always have to have the bigger house the new car uh, you know the next holiday all these things which are often driven by debt so get out of debt to me is a critical one because you don't know because um, unfortunately the debt repayments don't stop just because you've lost your job wealthwithpurpose.com is the website. Alex Cook is the founder of Wealth With Purpose. Are there specific resources that you would have available for people who are seeing themselves in the conversation today? What sort of things would people find on your website, Alex? Yeah, so look, we've got tons of free resources. We've actually even introduced a free membership version. So we've actually um, created a new level of membership, which gives a a course called Financial Wisdom, another course called Launch a Kingdom Business, and one called The Generosity Revolution. So they're aimed at different groups, but that's completely free. So you sign up as what we call a basic member. So that's completely free on our website now. Um, the second thing is we've got lots of ebooks. I think there's about probably eight to ten of them there now under our free ebook section. So you can download those, and most of those have tons of content which will give people lots of uh, useful ideas. And we also have some, uh, some videos there, um, and we've also got podcasts as well. So there's lots of free resources that people are most welcome to, uh, to be part of. Um, if they want to go to our paid stuff, then we've got courses that they can do that are a bit more comprehensive and we have, where we have uh, you know, live webinars and so forth that people can participate in and ask a lot more questions. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. And Alex Cook is our guest. Just a few minutes remaining in our conversation today, Alex. 
what, well, we will draw some loose ends together. We've been talking about robots taking our jobs, outsourcing, meaning that maybe our jobs might not be quite so valuable. And if we're an employee, our employer might decide that uh, we may not be as economic to keep. But let's come to some of the spiritual issues here that are very, very important, especially for Christian believers, because we would like to see Christian believers on the front foot facing the future, even though the future looks uncertain. What do we glean from Scripture, from our faith in God, that gives us the strength to be able to face the uncertainty of the future ahead? Mm. No, look, it's a great question. Look, I think the first thing I think is to understand the character of God. And and one of his characteristics, of course, is that he's uh, remarkably creative. You know, there's no no technology that's going to soon be developed that God doesn't already know about. You know, it's not going to catch him by surprise. Um, But not only that... I what I talk when I talk to a Christian businessman, I've got a, a friend of mine uh, in Melbourne who uh, has developed this amazing app, which now is being used all across the world. And he uh, he goes for a morning jog, and that's his time when he has time with God. He prays as he's running, and he says uh, to people, and he says this to non-Christian people, he says, "There's a storehouse in heaven." of ideas and every morning when I go for a run I'm downloading these ideas from heaven. <laughs> it may sound a bit silly to some people but what his point is very simple is that he has an intimate relationship with God. He asks God for help and his direction and the Holy Spirit to guide him and really the Holy Spirit is unleashing his creativity on him and helping him in business. So that to me, having that understanding of God and his amazing you know, supernatural uh, character is the starting point. That's the first thing. Then the second thing, of course, is to understand that you have a God uh, that loves you and wants to have a personal relationship with you. Um, and, uh, you know, he says that when we focus on him, because I think the big the challenge for Christians in our busy, hectic lives is that it's easy to get caught up in the world and get very distracted easily. But what he says to us is, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Um, you know, he can provide for us in any way. Uh, the key thing here is don't get your identity from your job and um, the thing that you do. Get your identity from the fact that you have a, a Heavenly Father who loves you, who has good plans for you, and, and wants, to, um, wants you to do well. That, to me, is absolutely uh, critical to our understanding as, as believers. Our identity in Christ, and uh, just summing up some things practically, uh, you're saying to people, get educated, look at those new opportunities that grab you, get into some reskilling because uh, things could be tentative in the times to come. Uh, there's a, a whole lot of things you like to say to people to get ready. What can we add to that list? Getting educated, reskilling. Yeah. Reskilling. Think about future markets. You know. Be informed. These things are cyclical. These changes. They're, they're, these things are happening all the time. Also, look at it. Also, from a point of view of investing, there'll be fantastic investment opportunities along the way uh, to, to build wealth for, um, for Christians as these things unfold. And also build community. One of the things I think that's problematic in Western culture is it's being very individ- individualistic and very dislocated. Despite all the communication tools in the world. Uh, we communicate less. There's less community today. So build your community. Get more involved with other people. This is what, I, I mean, one of the fantastic things about church life is it's all about community. So all those things will, will really help. Uh, and then spiritually, build that intimacy with God. 
have that intimate relationship with God, that will that will carry you through, uh, and it will draw you nearer to God, and and you'll just realise how amazing He truly is. And then, of course, financially. And just quickly, this idea of being connected to a related body of believers in a local church, uh, even though they may not be able to articulate all of these things as well as an Alex Cook can, uh, there are going to be people in your local church who will be able to talk about the attitudes we have facing an uncertain future because these things are grounded in the scriptures, in the words of Jesus, as we've been describing there out of, uh, out of the Gospels. Absolutely. Look, and I think the truth is the future's always been unpredictable. It's just that we haven't realised it. And, uh, and so I think just grounding ourselves, knowing that, uh, uh, that we can be there for each other, love each other, create opportunities for each other, pray for each other, um, you know, support each other through the, this, this uh, transition, and, and see it as an opportunity to, to get out there and help more people, show a hurting world the love of Jesus, and to... Um, and to really bless people as the world changes. That's, you know, that's what we're here. We're here to you know, serve God and to, to reach people. And a good opportunity to be prayerful for your own circumstances or for your family, your children, uh, your grandchildren, uh, into the times to come. I'll point people to the website wealthwithpurpose.com. Alex Cook is the founder of Wealth With Purpose. He's a financial planning expert, entrepreneur, and uh, good resources on that website, wealthwithpurpose.com. Alex, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. My pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.